Hi everyone and welcome to episode 12 of Infraction, our true crime podcast. I'm Nadia. And I'm Sally. And today's episode is another listener suggestion. This case suggestion has come from Melissa Cooper. So hi Melissa and thanks so much for getting in touch with your suggestion. I did have this case on my list but I've moved it up our timeline. Um, So if there's a case you want to hear sooner rather than later then you can use the case suggestion form that's in the description box just like Melissa did. So today's case is that of Lavina Johnson. Lavina Johnson was 19 years old when she died on July 19th, 2005. Lavina grew up in Florissant, Missouri in the US and she lived with her parents and her four siblings. Lavina's father, Dr. John Johnson, had previously served in the US military and in the statement I read, John said that all her life Lavina was told, you look like your daddy, you act like your daddy, you think like your daddy. And true to that form, when Lavina left school, she followed in her father's footsteps and enrolled in the US military. Her goal was to serve in the army for a few years in order to save enough money to be able to put herself through college. So that's obviously university to you and I, Sal. Yeah. So she wanted to be able to earn enough money to cover her course fees. And although her parents were hesitant when Lavina said she wanted to do this by joining the army, Lavina had her heart set on it. So, of course, they let her go. At the time of her death, Lavina was ranked as a private first class in the US Army and she was stationed in Iraq. She had been serving in the army for two years and had worked her way up the ranks fairly quickly. There are some varying reports about what happened in the hours leading up to Lavina's death in Iraq, but from what I can tell, Lavina got off work around 4 or 5pm. She was supposedly meant to have attended a physical training appointment, but apparently she did not turn up for it. The reports from the army state that Lavina met up with an unidentified male soldier and they spent around four hours together in his room. They then both went to the shopping area on the base and then supposedly went their separate ways. At 1.20am, Lavina's body was found in a tent. Around her body were sheets of burnt paper and she was laying in a pool of her own blood. God. In an interview with St. Louis Public Radio, John Johnson recalled the moment he found out his daughter had died. He said, early one summer morning, the doorbell rang. Linda Johnson, his wife and Lavina's mother, went to the window and saw a soldier standing on the porch. He said that in that moment he knew that something had happened to Lavina and that it would not be good news. He said he could recall the words the soldier used. Lavina was dead and the wounds were self-inflicted. What? Mm. Okay, that isn't what I had, was picturing in my head, but okay. Okay, so John was also really confused by this, and he recalled saying, Did you say the wounds were self-inflicted? Are you saying that my daughter killed herself? At this point, the soldier got very defensive and said, No, sir, I didn't say that. In fact, her death is being investigated. At this point, you can imagine the family were in total shock. And quite confused, surely, because... It's either, well, yeah, self-inflicted or it's being investigated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there was a lot of confusion, especially because they'd spoken to Lavina two days before and she had told them that she was starting a new job on the army base and that she would be coming back to the US in a few months. She'd been really happy and really excited because she was going to be able to come home earlier than she originally anticipated. Um, So she'd be in time really early for Christmas and she was kind of commenting to her family that she was excited to be able to help them decorate the Christmas tree. So yeah, they were completely shocked. I mean, they they were having this conversation with her two days before 
um, she supposedly, well, either killed herself or died from self-inflicted wounds. So John Johnson said he was never given any information. They just said that Lavina's wounds were self-inflicted. They didn't tell him what that meant or what wounds there were. In a quote from that same interview with St. Louis Public Radio, John said, When you come and tell me that my 19-year-old daughter didn't value life, that's all she did. She valued all life. You tell me she committed suicide, but you didn't tell me what she did, whether she jumped off a bridge or what. They didn't give me any information. Which that's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's completely heartbreaking. The army eventually revealed that she had died as a result of a gunshot wound through her mouth. Because of this, they recommended to the Johnson family that they should ensure that her funeral was closed casket. The family liaison officer came to their house and told them he had been advised to tell the family to hold it closed casket because he said, quote, it ain't pretty. This was not what her family wanted and so they went against this and decided to hold her funeral open casket. It was this decision that raised a lot of questions for the Johnson family. When they went to see Lavina's body after her coffin had been brought over from Iraq, they noticed some injuries to her face. Lakeisha, Lavina's sister, turned and started questioning the soldiers who were waiting by the door. She asked them, what did they do to my sister? What did they do to her? Her lips were cut and bloody, her teeth were loose, and her face appeared to be bruised and swollen. The family spent weeks waiting anxiously for the results of Lavina's autopsy. The medical examiner ensured the family he would call them as soon as he had concluded the autopsy. According to the paperwork, the autopsy was concluded on the 22nd of July. John Johnson did not get a call from the medical examiner until the 3rd of August. The medical examiner said to John Johnson, What questions do you have for me? John asked if he had done a rape kit on his daughter. The medical examiner said that he had not. And what I'll do now is just play for you some of the audio from John Johnson himself so you can hear what the medical examiner said to him and how he responded. He said, no, I didn't do a rape test. Then I said, why not? You call my house and you tell me my daughter killed herself under distress and you didn't check to see if she had been raped. I would have thought that would have been your first consideration. He said there was no sign of a struggle. So I merely asked him, my daughter had a bullet hole on the left side of her head and she's right-handed and I need to know how that happened. And he said, what you saw was an exit wound. And I said, an exit wound from what? And he said, she stuck an M16 rifle in her mouth and shot herself. And I said, physically that is impossible. My, my daughter's 5'1" and that weapon is 40 inches long. He said, well, she managed. And I said, okay, how come there wasn't more damage? He said, there was considerable damage. I said, if she stuck an M16 rifle in her mouth, she should have had this huge hole in the back of her head. He said, it exited the back of her head. I said, man, I looked that body over and I saw the bullet hole. It was on the left side of her head. He said to me, it depended on the angle that you're looking at. And I was thinking to myself, this man must be crazy. 
Yeah, okay, so they're all pretty interesting points. I mean, at this stage, I'm thinking, okay, well, her dad served in the army. He obviously knows a bit about this. He mm-hmm. knows his daughter, and he's in a unique position of having seen the body as well. So mm-hmm. they all sound like pretty reasonable concerns that he's raised. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I know that was quite a long bit of audio, um, and I know some people don't like hearing long bits of taped audio, but I hope that was okay. I just thought that it was actually important for people to hear it from John himself, because like you said, Sal, he's raising some really, really valid points, um, and he knows how this stuff works because he has been in the military as well. Yeah, absolutely. Retired Colonel Anne Wright is a lady who grew up in Arkansas in the US. She served 13 years in the US Army and 16 years in the Army Reserve. This experience elevated her to the rank of colonel. She says there is a huge cost of war. She said it's far too common for women in the military to be raped, to find out they have an STD, and then for those women to be found dead. She said that at least 120 women have died in Iraq and over 50% of those deaths have been non-combat related. She went on to say that at least 25% of those deaths were seen to be suspicious. I have to stress... I searched high and freaking low for statistics that support these facts and I came up with nothing. I think part of that might be because I'm in the UK and I can't access a lot of US websites, but I think it's probably much more likely that these stats are just not widely reported by the US government. But I mean, if we consider these statistics are true or at least close to the truth, over 50% of women who died in Iraq died in non-combat related deaths and at least 25% of those were in suspicious circumstances. That's huge if that's true. Yeah, it's a shocking statistic. But actually, I say shocking. I don't necessarily think it's surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to think how recently it is and probably still not quite even um, that women are truly seen as equals, etc., in the army. So mm-hmm. it really wouldn't surprise me to hear numbers like that, that as she yeah. says, the hidden cost of war. Um, and I completely agree with you there, Nad. I think it's not in the US government nor military's interest to report some of them, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt that the UK would be any better at it, frankly. No. I think it's very, very hush-hush as institutions. It's very much look after their own and have one another's back and things so yeah I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily surprise me but it's really awful that it isn't something that gets more media attention and I suspect it's a worldwide issue yeah I imagine it's a worldwide issue as well I really do but if we consider what Colonel Anne Wright said reports from the military after Lavina's death indicated that Lavina had been raped while she'd been in Iraq and she was being treated for an STD at the time of her death This was information that Lavina had not disclosed to her family. And actually, I'd kind of just like to comment here that, quite frankly, the fact that she didn't reveal this to her family, it literally means nothing. There are so many people out there who would not feel comfortable disclosing this level of personal detail to their family. I've seen some comments where people think that Lavina falsely reported her rape. And seriously, just... (laughs) Don't say things like that, because if someone has gone through something that invasive and that horrific, the scariest thing to do is report it. And probably, to be honest, an even more invasive thing for most people would be to tell their parents. So I think like, yeah, in my views, the fact that she didn't tell her parents that she'd been raped does not in any way, shape or form evidence that her allegations were false at all. 
Yeah, I would agree, particularly in a culture where she's very far away from her family, um, as yeah, a very male-dominated culture. And if she really loved the the military, it could have been a very conflicting experience for her that mm-hmm. would take her a long time to process, as it does for a lot of women. So exactly. yeah, I completely agree that you can't read into that. No, and and actually, I totally agree with you what you said about the culture there. Like, I think I read some statistics that showed that one in three women will be raped in the military. Um, and they there's even like a term that that's been coined for it and it's and it's command rape and this is where men in powerful positions who have been in the chain of command for years within the military prey on the new and like vulnerable recruits and use their status to undermine these women's reports of sexual assault so yeah you can absolutely imagine the kind of confliction she was having having faced this really invasive and horrific thing um and being so far away from home and being in a in a place where people don't really value your reports Absolutely. So with all this information in the back of your mind, uh, the fact that she had been raped, the fact that the bullet hole was on the left side of her head when she was right-handed and she'd supposedly shot herself through her mouth, the fact her face was bruised, the fact that at least 25% of military deaths in non-combat situations are deemed suspicious, with all this in the back of our minds, this is what happened next. On the 19th of September... So, for reference, this was almost two months after the autopsy was concluded. The Johnson family received a copy of that autopsy and it ruled that the death of Lavina Johnson had been determined to be suicide. The military then sent a package of paperwork to the Johnson family. John Johnson said he opened it and inside were photos of his deceased daughter. One photo showed that Lavina's arm was covering her face when she died. John said that he had severe anxiety when he saw these photos. He said he went to the bathroom and cried for over an hour. He said his heart was beating so fast, he was so scared he was having a heart attack. And he said that he literally sat in the bathroom and he prayed to God that he wasn't having a heart attack. Can you honestly imagine that feeling? That's awful. Yeah, that must be just harrowing. And what was the purpose of them sending these images? I think the point was to basically just flood them with information so they would kind of just be drowned in paperwork so they didn't, I guess, raise questions. Yeah, and not seem like the military were hiding anything, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. But in the reports that were sent, there were a lot of discrepancies. There was a sentence in the report that read, Lavina's death was a result of hostile action in combat. Another sentence said, Johnson was not mentally sound at the time of her death. Johnson told, redacted, that she hated her life and wished she would die. Obviously, her parents disputed this. As I mentioned earlier, she was very excited about coming home early for Christmas. And also the fact that there was that sentence in there that she died as a result of hostile action in combat. I think she worked in like the telecommunications area, like she wasn't on the front line or anything. She wasn't in combat. Yeah, so it's really quite messy at this point, isn't it, in terms of there being any kind of straight narrative about what's happened. Absolutely. It was really messy. And so John Johnson wrote to the military and asked him what evidence they had that his daughter had been depressed, as they'd referenced in the report. And he quite rightfully asked them why they were allowing her to walk around with a service-issued M16 rifle if they deemed her to not be mentally sound. Very good point. Mm. The military wrote back and listed a number of reasons for their assessment that she was depressed. They said she'd started smoking... She started giving away her personal items and that she was eating ice cream too many times a day. Like, is that a joke? 
you're in one of the most stressful places a person can be. You're in Iraq during a war. You're the actual US military. And the way you're assessing someone's mental health is by documenting how many times a day they eat ice cream. Just there's a bizarre set of excuses. And I'm almost certain not one you'd find if they had to explain why they thought a man was depressed. Oh, yeah. No, that's actually a really good point. That's a really, really good point. Conflicting statements in the same report stated that other soldiers had described Lavina as a positive person, someone who would never kill herself, and that she denied wanting to kill herself to another individual. However, it kind of really seriously seemed that the military had 100% made up their mind from the very start that they were going to rule Lavina's death as a suicide. Strangely, in this pack of documents that had been sent to the Johnson family... There was a single sheet of paper that just had a photocopied image of a CD on it. I think, having looked into this a little bit further, that someone put that image in the pack to alert the family to the fact that the CD existed. I kind of think they were trying to help out a little bit. And it worked because the Johnson family wrote to the military and asked for a copy of that actual CD. The military, however, said no. They said... We have released to you as much as we can disclose without infringing on the privacy interests of third parties. Kind of rightfully so, John Johnson said, if these third party individuals were involved in Lavina's death, then he had the right to know who they were and what information was on that CD. The military told him to get in touch with their legal department. The family did one better and they went straight to Congressman Lacey Clay. He took Lavina's case to the Government Reform Committee and spoke about Lavina's case and the evasion the Johnson family were continuously being met with by the military. He spoke to the committee and said that the Johnsons had been met with a wall of disrespect, evasion and failure. They have failed to obtain the answers that any parents of a fallen soldier deserved. He then showed the photocopy of the CD and spoke directly to Brigadier General Rodney Johnson, He was the Army Criminal Investigative Commanding General. Congressman Clay asked him if he'd seen the Freedom of Information request that was sent to him regarding information surrounding Lavina Johnson's death. He said he had not seen it, but he assured the committee that, as soon as he received the request, he would process it and release the information requested. After the committee meeting ended, in private, away from the cameras and the public eye, the general told Congressman Clay that the Johnson family were not entitled to the information they were requesting. Congressman Clay used his position of power to order the military to send the information and the CD to the family. The photos that were on that CD supported exactly what the Johnson family were trying to prove, that the true nature of Lavina's death had been covered up. The photos were of the crime scene and showed close-up images of Lavina's body. I have seen these images. They are very disturbing and very graphic. I don't think anyone could look at them and not suspect some sort of foul play. Her bottom teeth are loose and she has some of her top teeth missing. Her face is swollen and bruised and her nose is 100% visibly broken. The angle of it really looks like she has been either punched in the face or hit in the face with something very hard. There is the bullet hole at the top of her temple on the left-hand side. And there is a photo that I assume was taken first because it does show her laying there with her arm covering her face. The M16 rifle is laying parallel to her body, probably about three or four metres away from her body on the other side of a bench. So it's kind of hard to explain, but Lavina is laying on the floor. To her right, there is a bench. On the other side of that bench, there is an M16 rifle. 
all three are parallel to each other. Further evidence included an image of the shell casing from the bullet laying underneath her right thigh. John Johnson says there is no way that shell casing flew out the rifle and ended up under her thigh if the gun was in her mouth. Moreover, the bullet that killed her has reportedly never been found. In 2008, the St. Louis American newspaper reviewed the documents on this CD and they reported, probably unsurprisingly to us all, that the material suggested foul play. I think now is a good time to reference another very similar case to Lavina's. Before Lavina's death, there was a very similar circumstance with Private Tina Priest, who was serving her country in the US military. She had been stationed in Fort Hood, Texas. She had actually told her family that she had been raped. She phoned them every day and said that she was angry, but that she was okay and that she was looking forward to seeing them. Two weeks after reporting this sexual assault, Tina Priest was found dead in her room. She had died in very similar circumstances to Lavina as a result of a gunshot wound from an N16 rifle. Oh my God. Very much like Lavina, Tina's death was also ruled a suicide. Similarly again, Tina's parents queried this ruling because Tina had only been about five foot tall and so her arms would have been too short to have been able to hold an M16 rifle and shoot herself in the chest and be the person who pulled the trigger. The military responded to this by saying that they'd concluded that Tina must have used her big toe to pull the trigger to kill herself. What? It's barbaric, isn't it? I can't believe someone would actually stand up and say that. A ridiculous concept. Completely. And whilst, yes, that might be something that you could physically do, it's not something anyone would ever do, surely. No, there just seems easier ways and... And again, it just seems a very strange circumstance, doesn't it? That she shouldn't even come home before making such a decision. Not that you can speak for people who are going through real traumas. Um, But yeah, again, it just the circumstances sound very strange. Yeah, and very similar to Lavinus as well. Like her family reported, so like Tina's family, they reported that she was very happy and she was fine. And yes, she was angry about the sexual assault, but she wasn't suicidal she wasn't depressed or anything like that so it's just another cover-up by the u.s military yeah definitely sounds it Mm. so it became increasingly clear to the johnson family that the military had a habit of covering up deaths and labeling them suicides because of this the johnson family made the difficult decision to take the images of lavina and the information they had on that cd and give it to the media to try and force the hand of the military to be more honest and open with them CBS started investigating the case and even told the family that they'd pay for a second autopsy. Therefore, in 2007, John and his family made the very emotional and challenging decision to exhume Lavina's body and have their own independent autopsy carried out. I've read many varying reports about what this second autopsy revealed, but reports state that Lavina's neck was broken, parts of her tongue and anus had been removed and her vagina had been doused with corrosive acid. None of this was listed in the military's original autopsy. The independent medical examiner also noted that, when Lavina had been dressed in her uniform for her funeral, someone had glued her gloves to her hands. This reportedly covered up third-degree burns. Adding to this, it seemed that someone had performed plastic surgery on Lavina's face to cover up the broken nose and other injuries she had sustained. This surgery would have happened after her death because, as we know, The crime scene photos do show her with a visible broken nose and other facial injuries. 
Despite all this, reportedly, the cause of death was inconclusive in the second autopsy. Even more surprisingly, the source reported that, despite all the expense they went through to undertake the second autopsy, CBS made the decision to not run the story on Lavina's death. The exact same thing happened with ABC News too. They investigated, spent lots of time and money, uncovered clear signs of a cover-up, and then dropped the story before it made it onto the news. I think, from a personal opinion, I think if she was white, her story would have made it into the news for sure. I think it's quite clear that there's probably a lot of applied pressure from above, but I do think wholeheartedly that, unfortunately, her race played a big part in why the media didn't want to get more involved in general. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, we all see every day quite a lot of racial bias in terms of what is reported in the media. Um, I think the best example of that in the UK is probably how much attention, for example, the Madeleine McCann case got um, versus when children, black children, etc. maybe go missing. Um, so I would agree with that, although I do find it quite shocking given the information gleaned from the second autopsy and quite how outrageous, particularly around the sort of plastic surgery claims um i find it frankly just from a newsworthy point of view that they still decided not to report on this case more because you'd think this would have been a very big story for them to report so i totally agree with the maybe applied pressure mm-hmm. from above i think there was definitely applied pressure from above 100 percent, because they went through so much expense to get this story together and like you said it's an incredibly shocking story it's kind of like the story that all news reporters probably dream of because there is such a massive shock factor in it and obviously signs of a huge cover-up from the military i would have thought that reporters would have absolutely kind of been on their knees begging for a story like this so i'm quite shocked that they dropped the story Um, But yeah, I guess it's just another way probably that the military are just trying to cover this up. Well, and also I think, I don't know if this is true in the States, but it's definitely true here that a lot of people that own big newspapers and media outlets are often funders and very well linked politically as well. So sometimes whilst we like to think of free reporting, etc. Unfortunately, politics and the media are quite entwined with one another. Oh, wow. Okay. That's really interesting. I didn't know that, but that is really interesting. It probably does add like another layer to this of why they didn't report it then. Yeah, absolutely. So next up in January 2011, an organisation called the Cold Case Investigative Research Institute began investigating Lavina's case. After a three-year investigation, the organisation reported that they could not find any evidence that countered the military's ruling that Lavina Johnson committed suicide. They said there was nothing about this case that we could go back to the army to say you need to relook at it. We didn't have anything new. We didn't have anything that suggested wrongdoing. Um, it's probably a good time to mention that this organisation is meant to be a quote-unquote independent organisation, but it is important to just tell you guys that this research team is federally funded and a lot of people have suggested that this is potentially just another level of government cover-up um, by, you know, saying it's independent, saying that they investigated it for three years, but then maybe having that applied pressure also, kind of like what we just mentioned with the media. Um, I don't know what you think about that, Sal. Yeah, I think it's really difficult. So I think the fact that they're federally funded is really interesting because three years sounds like a very long time to investigate something. And you would like to think, given the evidence we've heard just in the past half an hour you would really think that they would have been able to find something new to go back to the military with. 
And if they were independent or maybe a charity, then I might have thought that the reason they didn't is because actually the military is an incredibly hard organisation probably to get much from. We've already seen a real wall of silence and fortunately for the military they can quite often fall back, I think, on things like security clearance as their reason for not being able to share information that would probably be quite crucial in cases like this, whereas they're able to say, oh, no, we can't reveal details because it could reveal something critical to, I don't know, a separate mission we're doing here, etc. So I don't doubt that there's a real wall of silence with the military and they're a law unto themselves. So quite often there may be charities that try to take on these cases. But in this instance, I think the fact that they're federally funded really probably points to what you said, that actually this is just uh, a cover-up or, or even something that's supposed to give the illusion of the government doing something so they can say, hey, we want to find the answers here. So we're going to appoint this yeah, third party independent organisation, whereas in reality, actually, it's just almost a ruse as an act. If they're federally funded, they're not really probably um, going to have a vested interest in actually finding something that might reflect incredibly badly on the military. I mean, it sounds to me like quite a few crimes have been committed here, um, particularly with regards to everything that may or may not have been done to her after she was killed. So it doesn't sound to me like an organisation that receives government funding is actually really going to reveal that and, and press into the matter. Uh, yeah, I completely understand that. I've just, I find it so difficult that, like you said, there isn't anyone out there who can just take on the military. And I understand why. I fully understand why. And we've obviously spoken about other cases that you know have also faced a similar level of cover-up I just find it difficult especially given that she had a second autopsy and there are clear signs in that that something very untoward happened towards her like like you said really even if she did commit suicide which side note obviously I don't believe that she did commit suicide but I mean even if she had something really awful happened to her body afterwards which in itself is an illegal offense so I find it difficult that this hasn't gone anywhere and the fact that the military aren't being investigated for it or anything like that but I guess it does come down to what you said that they can basically call security clearance and on whatever they want can't they they can just say that they don't have to reveal any information because if that information got into the wrong hands then obviously that like there could be terror threats and stuff like that I guess that's what you're saying isn't it yeah, absolutely. They can always fall back on the it wouldn't be in the national interest or maybe individuals' interests, etc. And I think also people do hold, um, you know, the military and the army are in theory there to keep us safe and do a lot of good things. So I think it's very political anyway, because actually they do protect their own. And that's an incredibly hard thing to go up against. And I think we can see here that clearly they've decided who they are going to look after in this situation and it isn't Lavina or her family. So, I, yeah, I think it's incredibly complicated that to, yeah, to really compete with such a huge, you know, the funding they get, how entwined they are within society and the government, etc. I think it's just a really hard thing. And unfortunately, yeah, they seem to get away with these things a really frightening amount I mean I've heard of cases here where people have uh, experienced quite horrible things in the army and I mean they even have their own courts you have military court where quite often it means it's kept out of criminal courts um, 
yeah, and people will get found not guilty and it won't be looked into any further. So I think that just goes to show they really are, it's like their own little bubble where they don't have to answer to the same people that the rest of us do. Yeah, actually, that's really interesting. Yeah, military courts are completely different to the courts that everyone else kind of has to like go through when they commit a criminal offence. They can actually be incredibly harsh. The punishments can be incredibly harsh. But like you said, they also protect their own. And so, yeah, if this did manage to go to a military court, then it's very unlikely even then that they'd find the individual, if they did find an individual, guilty. I think it's so difficult, isn't it? It's it's so difficult. But it, it can't carry on. I just don't know how people can tackle it. I don't know how you come up against someone like the military. I don't even, even know if it's possible. I think it's sort of what we touched on a little bit earlier in terms of the media. A lot of the times when you think about uh, huge scandals that have been covered up, so I don't know, be it like abuse within churches, etc. It actually is always the media usually that changes public opinion and sort of stirs up outrage that leads to tangible change. And I think what's unfortunate here is for whatever reason, be it the colour of her skin or be it links between political uh, newspaper owners etc um, I think clearly here the media didn't engage they didn't jump on the bandwagon and push for more answers and unfortunately I think unless that happens in cases like this you probably won't ever get to the bottom of it because I mean as we've seen Livin's family on their own aren't able to get the answers they need they need big backing and be it funds or just a voice to add to their own um, from big media outlets and it just yeah it obviously hasn't happened here no no I think you're right though actually that's an interesting point I think it is the media that needs to get involved and I wish that they had in this case and I'm surprised that they still haven't um, but yeah yeah very interesting point um, unfortunately maybe based off some of the stuff that Sal said the US Army stand by their initial conclusion that Lavina committed suicide. The Chief of Public Affairs for the Criminal Investigation Command has said that they will reopen the investigation should credible information come to light. He says that there are many false or misrepresented facts on the internet that are causing people to suspect foul play. And I just have to say, right, I have seen the images. These were photos taken by the military, photos they tried to keep hidden that the Johnson family had to fight tooth and nail to obtain. Photos that clearly show that Lavina Johnson was seriously injured before her death and that show that the supposed gun that was used was laying far too far away from her body for her to have been the one to have pulled the trigger. And, you know, the photos also show the gunshot wound to the left side of her temple whilst the official report states she shot herself through the mouth. I'm not denying, right, that there is probably a lot of misrepresented information out there, but I'm telling you, these photos show in the cold, hard light of day that the mi- the military are covering up how she died. I honestly believe that. Have they never released at any point? Because what I would be really interested to know in this case is you kind of want to know what did her last 48 hours look like why was she left alone? How did she have the opportunity to do this? Who was she with before that she kind of could have had a fight with? Do you know what I mean? I think that's the evidence that's really missing on this case to be able to, um, anyone to really kind of dispute something. And I do find it very odd if they haven't interviewed 
lots of eyewitnesses and because I'm guessing it'd be quite rare in the military to actually be able to be on your own Mm -hmm. that much I mean a lot of the time they're in shared accommodation and things Mm -hmm. so what I would be really keen and I can imagine they don't want to release this but what I think the military should be releasing is okay well how did this happen then um yeah how was she by herself what who was she with who can verify that right up until the moment she was alone that she didn't have an injured face do you know what I mean because if you could get someone to swear that genuinely she was absolutely the picture of health right up until the moment she was left alone for half an hour and then she was found dead then that would support their statement but at the moment like you say it just seems incredibly suspicious that they've not provided any answers to all the circumstantial and frankly very dodgy things like you say the position in the photos yeah so no like they haven't released anything like that they've released varying different bits of information that kind of contradict with each other so like Mm -hmm. with regards to where she was they told her family that she died in her own barracks and I also looked into that I thought that they were shared um but I think it depends where you are um and maybe the other individuals there were I don't know, out or they were doing shifts or something. I, I don't know. But her family were told that she died in her barracks. But what actually happened was she died in the contractor's tent. So I also looked into what that is and it's very unclear what it is. But it's basically, I think, more like a um, either like a communal area or, or an area that certain members can go. But it's not necessarily like West, like a big hub where lots of people will be all the time. So that is actually where she died. So there's conflicting evidence there as well like I don't know but that's all we know we don't know uh who the unidentified male was who she was with um as far as I can tell and all the research I've done it hasn't ever suggested that they've released the information on who he is um and yeah everything else like I kind of said at the beginning the timeline's completely unclear it's not clear at all yeah and I think that's just the most suspicious thing because if the army truly believed that the story they were saying, then why wouldn't you share down interviews and witness statements of people who could verifiably account for her steps in a way that matches the story that the army are putting out there? Whereas the fact that they're clearly not willing for people to swear on an oath about what happens straight away just screams something fishy, doesn't it? It's aside Mm. from all the evidence that the family have received and things it's very clear cut from what you say about the photos and things that this doesn't all quite add up. And you would just think that would be the military's way to put the family's mind at rest if there wasn't something a bit more sinister that had gone on here. Yeah, so that surely does imply they're covering something up. Like, I strongly, wholeheartedly believe they're covering something up. I do think they're covering something up, but what I'm saying here is that I think what screams of something strange is that it's, you know, it's not unheard of for people in the military to kill themselves. They're under huge pressure. They've seen very traumatic things. That mm-hmm. wouldn't be an outrageous thing to happen. But in that instance, why would you not be able to account for the events leading up to that without yeah. kind of this big shroud of mystery? Whereas the yeah. fact that they don't want to identify people, they don't want to let the family talk to anyone or know any details of the investigation straight away just it does scream something which I suspect happens a lot in the military like we said at the start it's very much a look after your own and they probably don't want anyone incriminating themselves by saying anything so have just 
you know, put a silence order on the whole thing so no one can talk about it, yeah. which I think is really sad because these are people that are willing to give their life for their country already. And, you know, they're so dedicated to doing a really terrifying yeah, amazing job and mm-hmm. I just think it's so sad that the army can let them down when that goes wrong I mean yeah. you know things happen in all industries that probably the industry themselves aren't proud of but I think the military is probably one of the few that gets away with such an extreme level of not having to answer to anyone yeah no I I absolutely agree they do seem to have kind of like this power to not have to answer to anyone um it is it is sad it's really awful so kind of going back to what you said earlier about the fact that it's not unusual for um, veterans to commit suicide. I absolutely agree with that. I just kind of want to put a little fact out there. I did look into that and it's actually very, very unusual um, for if veterans do commit suicide. It's very unusual for them to do it um, when they're overseas. They would they would most likely come home and then commit suicide when they're here. So I think that's also kind of like another red flag in this case, but obviously not is not conclusive of anything but I just thought it might be helpful to mention yeah no I agree with that and because that did pop into my head in both the cases we've talked about today yeah you mentioned how excited they were to see their families Mm. and actually even if they came home saw their families and then realized you know I've been through so much trauma or Mm. actually then once they felt safer maybe then depression or something got worse that is a, a dynamic you can understand more but I totally agree that it seems strange that they would do it overseas without seeing the people that from the sounds of things they were very desperate to get back to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So where are we at now with the case? I mean, is there still no suspects that have ever been linked to it? Um, so the case itself is technically just solved, I guess is the right word to use, um, because the military have deemed it um, as a suicide with regards to suspects there is one that i've seen reported but i think honestly because i can only find this in one place that it might not be a legitimate suspect or if it is then the man in question has certainly not been formally named so i don't want to be done for defamation or anything by saying his name but he's talked about on the facebook page dedicated to getting justice for lavina and is also referenced on one other website This man was a general in the US military and was actually fired very shortly after Lavina's death. And I read somewhere that um, he's the only four-star general to ever have been fired. And apparently it's even more suspicious because he was so close to his retirement date. But like I said, that's just one bit of information I found. It's very, you know, it's very likely that 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 potential suspect isn't true. But yeah, I thought it's important to put it out there, I guess, just just in case. Yeah, it's so sad though, really, isn't it? Like you say, the case is probably just closed because the powers that be deemed there to be nothing suspicious here. And it mm-hmm. must just be really tough for the family to know that you probably will never get the answers you're looking for, particularly your, you know, just one family fighting the heart of and pride of America mm-hmm. who have kind of unfaltering protection. So that must be a really tough thing, but... I suppose in some ways they have managed to draw some attention to the issues. And like you mentioned at the start of this episode, this isn't just a one-off. This happens an alarming amount. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this has shone some light on that as an issue. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Sal. This case is really hard. It seems 
kind of also that the major news outlets in the US shied away from reporting on Lavina's case. Um, I mean, bearing in mind this happened 15 years ago, I struggled a lot to kind of find any information um, on this case from reputable news outlets. So yeah, it's really sad, especially kind of like you said, it's not the first time this has happened. It's not the last time. I mean, especially right now with what's happening, um, with private first class Vanessa Guillen, who was based in Fort Hood in Texas. So that's the same location as Tina Priest, who we spoke about earlier. And the details of her case are scarily similar to the cases we've talked about today. And I just can't believe that the media aren't either, you know, drawing links between these two cases or, you know, Tina's case and Vanessa's case, or really referencing Vanessa's case at all, you know, like especially because she is still missing. Absolutely. And really the media, for things like this they are the most powerful tool and they are really the only people who a lot of the time can incite change because it's not until they can whip up an outpouring of anger Mm. that a lot of the time bigger corporations will fold to the pressure and start to be more open with information about these cases Mm -hmm. so I agree it's a real shame that they're not drawing any links or widely reporting it yeah absolutely And so because of that, I've linked two petitions in the description box. The first petition is to reopen Lavina Johnson's case. I really, really implore all of you to please just take two seconds to click that link and sign the petition. We've seen what can happen when we make our voices heard. And more than anything, Lavina's family deserve a proper investigation so they can find some peace and hopefully some justice can be served. The second petition is for a Bill of Rights for bereaved military families. I think, realistically, this petition can only be signed by citizens of the US, um, but I did actually manage to sign it, so, I mean, you can be creative with it. But we've spoken today about three families who are suffering because the military have not disclosed or properly investigated the deaths of their daughters. Unfortunately, these aren't standalone cases, as we've both mentioned. I mean, there's Gloria Davis, there's Hannah Gunterman McKinney. There are so many other victims whose families are not getting the answers or the justice they deserve. This is a reoccurring trait within the military and there are far, far too many families out there who have to suffer. The second petition I've linked pledges to introduce an all-encompassing bill which will provide an avenue to justice for every bereaved military family. They will do this by ensuring that families have the right to an independent hearing where all information will be disclosed, where they'll have a legal right to subpoena witnesses, to uphold and maintain the basic human rights of these military veterans, as well as many, many more pledges. If you click the link, you can see a full list. Please do consider taking a quick 30 seconds to sign these petitions. It's a small part of your day that could really change the lives of so many families. I can't thank you all enough for listening to this important story. If you want to see some footage of Lavina's parents and see interviews with them, I really suggest watching the documentary The Silent Truth. It gives really good insight into the family and I'll link it below. Thanks once again, Melissa, for submitting this case suggestion. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.